Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. And so we'll be in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 13. Let's go ahead and read the Word of God. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am, very, I am, I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. We do pray, and and just thank you for um, just being able to be here today. We we thank you that, that you brought people here today. We pray for the marriages. We pray for the families uh, we pray for uh, just the, the blessing of uh, being able to be in your word. And we also just pray, Lord, for, for us to be able to apply, to actually have application, to be obedient to your word. Uh, we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I entitled this, The Dove, the Desert, the Devil. So the dove being the Holy Spirit, uh, as, as uh, Jesus is baptized, the desert is where the Holy Spirit drives Uh, Jesus out into the desert, and then the devil when we have the temptation. And so we'll look at this in uh, three parts. In verses 9 through 11, we'll look at it as the beloved son baptized. And in verse 12, being driven to wilderness. In verse 13, being tempted by Satan. And so uh, last week we were actually talking about John the Baptist being the forerunner. And actually, John the Baptist actually creates this bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament and, um, and, and preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And so um, one of the things we're going to see right off the bat is, is John is going to uh, baptize Jesus. And we're going to kind of bounce between the Gospel of Mark and some of the Synoptic Gospels, which are just Luke and uh, the ones that we know, Matthew, Luke, Mark, and then, and then also some in John, we may bounce to those verses just to kind of get a bigger picture. Because remember we talked about it. You're going to see Mark right off the bat say immediately, over and over. He does it like eight times in chapter one. That's a word that he loves, immediately, right? Probably something the parents like to say, immediately, go do this, right? Uh, I know I did that with my grandkids yesterday. You know, immediately you need to go do that. Um, and so when we look at uh, the baptism, we've seen John baptizing uh, for repentance. And so we, we see it there in verse, uh, verse 4 as we look at uh, the first part. It says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and and wore a leather belt around his waist and, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So now we see, in, in leading into verse 9, uh, John's baptism was one of forgiveness of, uh, wasn't one of forgiveness of sins, but it was just one of repentance. Uh, and, and so John's baptism was one that talked about the forgiveness of sin. And when we think about that, when we see Jesus, Jesus is sinless, right? Jesus is sinless. And, and so when we look at it, it says in, in verse 9, in those days Jesus came, to, came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So why did Jesus get baptized? If he was sinless, right? That's the question that we have to actually be able to try to answer. And, and so we can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It tells us, For the sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then also in John chapter 1, verse 29, we see a little bit bigger glimpse of, of what John was saying. He said, and The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's why he was saying, I can't untie his sandal. I can't baptize you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 16, we have a high priest. Uh, since then, we have a great high priest who, is, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confessions. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the, in the time of need. And so we have Jesus, the high priest that stands between God and man, sinless, a sinless priest who can sympathize with us, who lived in this body for 30 years up until this point when his ministry is fixing to start. So the moment he's baptized, his ministry is beginning. Now, Jesus didn't come to repent to John because he was sinless. And that's why John tells us in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, it, it, as we look at some of the, the other Gospels, uh, you know, uh, view of the baptism, we see that Matthew said that John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And see, so John was telling him, look, I'm supposed to be baptized by you. You're, you're the Messiah. And, and we see in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. But in baptized, what, what Jesus did through baptism is he, asso- he associated with us the sinner and placed Himself among the guilty. And so we see three points that are there. We know that not for His own salvation, but for ours. That's why He was baptized. Not for uh, His own guilt, but for our guilt. Our sin. And not because he feared the wrath to come, but he wanted to save us. That's why he was baptized. That's why the beginning of his ministry began, and he's, he's doing it out of obedience to his Father. And so when we look at it, we see it. The first part of this is he's being obedient to God. 
It's an act of submission. And it's, it's also to affirm His deity to public ministry. Because we're going to see as we go down in the verses, He's fully God, fully man. Being obedient to the Father. And we know that, that obedience is something that Jesus did in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 8, it says, And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But we see again that John tried to stop him from being baptized. And Jesus was also identifying with the tax collectors. He was identifying with us. We were all sinners, right? We all needed a Savior. In Luke chapter 12, verse 50, it says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. That's Jesus speaking about the cross. And the baptism stood as a profound picture of the gospel. He would preach and fulfill it, pictured his death at his sacrificial atonement for the sin and resurrection from the dead. And the second reason Jesus was baptized because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now he was born with the Holy Spirit, right? It tells you that in, in, in uh, Matthew because John was given the Holy Spirit in the womb, right? And Jesus is born with the Spirit. But it says uh, that, that in verse 10, it says, And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens be torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And so remember, we, when we're talking about the word immediately, we're going to see that a number of times in the gospel. But we see the Spirit coming upon him at the very beginning of ministry, empowering him for service. He was fully man and he came came to earth in the form of man, living a perfect and sinless life. I would dare to say how many of us could do that within the first hour of our day, right? I could tell you as a pastor, one of the things that you have to understand is that I'm broken too. I, I was teaching this this week and I thought, man, I'm going to have to teach on temptation of Christ and, and I got upset over something. I was like, what happened? You know? It just is a reminder of us that we're, we're sinful people. We need Jesus. All we have to do is cling to Christ and, and, and to, to think that when we give our lives to the Lord and we repent of our sins, our, our past, our present, our future sins are forgiven. And so when we do stumble, we just repent and confess and we ask God to help us and He, and he gets us back on track again immediately, just like Mark said, right? And we see the, the Spirit... The Holy Spirit. And this is actually a prophecy going back to the Isaiah. When it talks about the Spirit, immediately the, the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove. It actually is in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1-5. through 5. So this was prophesied. And it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch of his, uh, from his root shall, be, shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and, and the, the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide dispute by what his ears, but righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with the equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked, Righteous, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So we see him talking about, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
And so we know that Jesus uh, conceived as he was, uh, was, was conceived by the Spirit in the womb with Mary. And so the Spirit was already in Jesus, but now we have the Spirit coming upon him for the beginning of ministry. And, and I have a story about that. When I first did ministry, I can remember uh, we, me and my wife have been married for 20, 34 years. I, I figured it out this year. We've known each other for 35 I, I, she sat behind me in history class. So we've known each other since 16. And, and uh, our first 22 years of marriage was a train wreck. I mean, an absolute train wreck. Um, we did not know the Lord. Uh, our kids were struggling. Uh, we had, man, we had one kid that tried to commit suicide. And we, and we looked to the government to try to fix it. We had one kid that got hooked on marijuana. And we thought, well, why is he getting it from school? So we blamed the school. We never looked at ourselves. And that's the problem with our country right now. Is everybody wants to put blame on everybody, but nobody's looking in the mirror at themselves as parents. Or as, as, as that person. Like, I have to be responsible for me. And, and so I remember we, we came to know the Lord. Our son went to VBS at six years old. And gave his life to Christ. And he had... We wanted what he had. Like he wanted to be a church. If the church was open seven days a week, he would have been there. He loved it. And faith like a child. And so, you know, we separated. She got tired of my mess. And she was like, I'm out. And so she started going to church with her sister. And so I figured, you know, doing the guy thing, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to church to smooth things over, right? And then once that's, then I'll stop going to church. And, and we, I did that. We smoothed things over for a little bit, and then we went right back to the mess that we were. And eventually, I, I ended up giving my life to the Lord. I was sitting in service, and the Word was washing me. I didn't realize that. And somebody, one of, the, one of the pastors told me, he goes, hey, why don't you watch this movie called Fireproof? And I, I knew Kirk Cameron as a kid. And so I was like, sure, I'll watch it. And so I watched it. And, and you know... On January 11, 2009, I gave my life to the Lord at 3 o'clock in the morning and, and never looked back since. And then we had some work to do in our marriage. That took about a year. 22 years of mess takes about a year in, in Christian counseling to work out. Um, and, and then one by one, our kids started coming to no faith, all five of them. Um, and, and, and seeing them be freed of depression, seeing them be freed of, of addiction, um, just seeing, seeing their lives be changed. And now our grandkids, we were sitting this week watching our grandkids worship. This, this thing called the rivers, and they, all they do is sing, they sing the word of God. That's it. And the kids are just, and I was like, you know, they don't act like that with us. What's going on? But we, before I started ministry, they, uh, my pastor, Pastor Louis Delgado, he actually went and planted the church in Elotus. And, and Louie told me, he, I was, I've done radio ministry for Grace Calvary Chapel for 15, 14 years. And, uh, and, and Louie said, would you mind being baptized before you start serving? And I was like, yeah, no problem. I mean, Jesus was baptized, so what's the problem? And I was baptized as a Catholic as a kid. But I was like, and then the week leading up to that, I can remember just the battle between the flesh. We were going to be baptized that next Sunday. And I, my wife will tell you, I, I was crawling out of my skin 
Because I was like, why am I being baptized again? I was already baptized. But that's that battle between the flesh and the spirit. And then we got baptized that day and we started ministry that day and never looked back. And so when somebody asked me, should I be baptized? I would say, yeah. I mean, you're not required to. The thief on the cross wasn't. It's not like Jesus said, come down from the cross so I can go baptize you in the river and then you can meet me in paradise. But I would always say, yeah, it would be a good thing for you to be baptized. And so, you know, we see this as the empowering of the, uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus for the ministry that He's going to do. And so it says in verse, uh, verse 10, it says, And when He came up out of the waters, immediately He saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And so one of the things that we do see here is in the text, we actually see... Even though everybody argues that there's no word Trinity in the Bible. We see the Trinity represented here. Because we have God the Father, my beloved Son, right, speaking. We have the dove descending, the Holy Spirit, and we have Jesus being baptized. The Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So anybody tells you the Trinity is not, I mean, we can, we'll probably, whenever we do a baptism... As a small church, I'm praying that one day we get to do a baptism. And when we do it, we'll actually sit down and teach a whole sermon on baptism and also on the Trinity. Because I think it's important. Because it, the Trinity is represented back in Genesis. And a lot of people don't realize that. Jesus is always, you know, the book is about Him. And, and so when we, we understand that the Trinity is the work of, the, of, of God... Uh, and, and so we see it represented there. And, he, and I love what he says. And he gets the, the seal of approval from his dad. How many of us as kids would have wanted that, right? Because my, my dad didn't know God until late in life. My dad didn't talk to me about God until that day when I gave my life to the Lord because he told me about praying. I hadn't known my father for 40 years. 40 years, never talked to me about God till that night. And, and so, you know, how many of us would love to hear your dad say, you know, I'm well pleased of you. Our kids need to hear that more, you know. That's something definitely that, that we, need to be, we need to be encouraging our children more. I think the, the, the biggest thing that we see in our, our country right now is we see a, a group of kids that need Jesus, that need to know the love of Christ and all. But he had the, the seal of approval from his dad there. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Now this is actually, and a lot of people don't realize this, but when you study the scripture, you start to see that this is only the, one of three times that the Father speaks from heaven. Because he does it, uh, the second time he does it where? On the Mount Transfiguration, right? Before Peter comes in and starts being Peter. But we can put up tents and we can do this and it's like... And God, God tells him in Matthew 17, 5, He says He was st still speaking when behold... A, and this is Peter. He was still speaking when behold a bright cloud overshadowed them. And the voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to Him. Right? That's something that we need to do today. To listen to Him. And that's also in Luke chapter 9, verse 35. It's in there as well. But we also see it again for the third time in the book of John. At the cross, we see a John 
John chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, and it's right before the, week, the last week before the cross. And he says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said angels had spoken to him. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, it says, I will tell you, the Lord said to me, you are my son today, I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. And so we see the baptism and we see how God is, is you know, shared with him that he is my beloved son. He's saying that to him. And then now what happens is the Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness. In verse 12, it says the Spirit immediately, there's that word again, immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And, and the word drove actually means to, uh, to, to throw out with force, right? But then you go, well, was he being obedient to the, to the Spirit? But Jesus was being obedient to the Spirit. It's just this was happening in obedience and he's being led by the Spirit. And this is something for us to remember too, is that if we give our life to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us that should be leading us to make right decisions and do the things that we're supposed to do. We need to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit ourselves. In John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And the Holy Spirit sends us into trials. And sometimes it, it, it's, it's to grow us and, and to help us Mature, but also when we have those temptations, you know, it's to, to mature our faith. And we learned about that in Nehemiah. Nehemiah in chapter 3, we learned how the body of Christ, and it's beautiful when the body of Christ is all united and working together. Any of y'all that have been in, in bigger churches, y'all know what that's like to see the body all working together. It's a beautiful thing. But you can bet believe when the body of Christ is working together, the enemy's going to show up. And it does. We saw that in Nehemiah chapter 3. We see the walls being built. And we talked about it. This nine foot of wall. And these were perfumers and goldsmiths. They weren't construction workers. They didn't know what that, that labor, but they were working. They were called to do this by God and they did it. But the enemy shows up in chapter 4. Not only are they ridiculed, they're mocked, and then, and then they're attacked physically. And so we know that the enemy is going to show up when we, when we step out to do God's work. And we need to be ready for that. In James chapter 1, verses 2-4, through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know not that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So he's saying the testing of your faith actually produces steadfastness. So you hold fast to God's Word. You hold fast to Christ. And it, what it does is it makes it, it allows us to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 3 says that no one be moved these afflictions for you yourself know that we were destined for this. And yet some of us, for some reason, think that we're not supposed to go through trials and tribulation. For those of us that are a little bit older... We know that. Regardless if you're following the Lord or not, you're going to go through trials and tribulations in this life. But one thing that I've learned 
Those first 22 years of not knowing God, I was a train wreck. I'm so glad I can cling to Christ now. And, and when I'm going through that storm or when I'm going through that, that trial, I have God's Word to, to, to lean on. I have the Holy Spirit to lean on. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, I want to make sure you understand this, is if you're a believer, it says that you're going to go through the testing of your faith, right? And it also says that there, you're going to be, uh, that no one be moved by these afflictions with an S. So not one affliction, right? It's not you give your life to the Lord and no more afflictions. You're going to continue to go through them. You're going to continue to go through the trials and tribulation. Why? Because you're supposed to be producing fruit. And that happens naturally through the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, it says, But the, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its, with its passions and desires. And so we see Jesus beginning his ministry. Was Jesus led to an ocean resort in Israel? No. Where is he, where is he sent? The desert. The desert. He's sent out to the desert. And any of y'all that served in the military, the desert is not a fun place. It's not fun at all. I mean, we've, I spent time in Iraq. I don't like it. There's a lot of things that, that make noises in the desert at night. The court knows that. <laughs> Anybody else serve in all the military? It's, it's rough, man. The desert is a, is a fun place. You've got desert here, too. You get out in the, in the woods. I always tell people, you get further out, it looks like Iraq. Some of saying, you're like, you go down Laredo, it looks a little like Iraq. In a, in a way, but I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. But we see that, that he's driven to the desert. And, and, you know, we're going to be driven to the desert at times too. And we need to remember that. And, and, and we need to cling to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide and direct us through the desert. Uh, one of the things that we see is, is, as we look at him being tempted by Satan, in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And he was in the wilderness... For 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. So be prepared. As soon as God opens up the, the heavens to bless you, the devil is going to open the doors of hell to blast you. Think about that. I, one of the things that I've always seen is when, when God does an amazing work in a ministry, or God does an amazing work in somebody's life, and you see just this growth, the devil shows up usually and tries to tempt them and pull them away. And we see the, the correlation of the 40 days. How long was Israel wandering the desert? 40 years of disobedience and all. They, they actually saw God's power and were still disobedient. And, and for us, it's like we're, you know, we're, we're driven into the wilderness at times too. But I think one of the things I shared with with everybody this, uh, this past Wednesday, because we had to talk about temptation. We had to talk about Satan. Satan's real. Satan's real. And, and sadly, four out of ten Christians believe that it's, it's not a living being or a symbol of evil. I'm not sure what we've been teaching. Okay? I know many people would, would think of, of Van Halen maybe running with the devil and they think that hell is a great place, but hell was never created for us. 
It was created for, the, for, for Satan and his demons. But see, we have a choice whether or not to, uh, not to go there because we have a choice to repent of our sins and, and, and be forgiven of our sins and have eternity with, with Christ in heaven. But I'm not sure what we're doing if four out of ten Christians believe that Satan is just a living, like a lit, not a living being, but just a symbol of evil because that's not true because that's not what Scripture teaches us. Now, I know we've had that, that one kid that came out with the Satan shoes that had a drop of blood or some, some stuff in there. And, and we think that it's cute, right? Oh, it's cute. It's the devil. You're messing around with things you don't, you don't need to be messing with. Because, you know, if we look at Scripture, you know, I remember, you know, growing up, and I was telling them this this past week, and I remember Donald Duck and Bugs Bunny, remember how they would have the, the devil on one side and the angel on the other? And they tried to make the devil look cute. And the devil always tried to make him do a crazy thing. That was also in Emperor's New Groove with Kronk. You know, in Disney. Disney used it too. And, and, and we've seen the devil be used in movies as jokes now. And, and, and it's sad because what we have happening is we're, we're, we're trying to not, we're not looking at it through the eyes of Scripture. This is the problem with our culture today. Is as Christians, our lens should be looked at through the Bible. So as we're believers, we should look at the world through the, God's Word. That's our biblical worldview. And what's happening is we have too many Christians that are allowing the culture to dictate what they do in their faith. And so that's why we have four out of ten Christians that don't believe that Satan's real. It tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that that he's a real being. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty uh, than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did the God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, we'll see this as we look at the temptation of Christ. And then Jesus was led up to the, uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil. The devil. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why did Satan fall? You know what Satan was doing? L- lobbying. He was lobbying the angels because he wanted to be God. I can give you more power. He didn't have nothing to give. But he was lobbying. Same thing that happens today. And, and so what we see is we see two things in this verse. We see the preexistence of Jesus. Jesus always existed, right? Because Jesus is saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But we also know that uh, we can find more information about that in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. But it affirms, you know, that, that Jesus, that he was involved in Satan's judgment and, and, and his judgment to earth. In Revelation 12, 9, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down that the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he, will, he was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And we see in Scripture that Satan's real. What are we teaching our kids? Right? We need to teach them, hey... Jesus is victorious. He, he defeated death on the cross. Don't play around with that stuff. Don't play around with that stuff. It, it, now what we see that's happened just over the last 30 years is we used to have 73% of Americans used to believe, this is 30 years ago, 
that God was all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect and just, creator of the universe and still rules today. Today, uh, a Barner survey was done in 2020 and it said that now only 51% believe that. We've dropped from 73% to 51%. And what's sad is 56% of non-believers believe that Satan is real. Non-believers believe Satan's real and Christians don't. What's wrong? What have we done? Do you not think you're going to be tempted by the devil? You will be. We have more Americans now that are more confident in the existence of Satan than they are God. And you want to know why the culture is the way it is. Why are we seeing the craziness that we're having happen in the world today? Satan's having just throwing everything out that he can throw out in the kitchen sink. And, and it tells you that it, to be sober-minded in 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversaries, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Does that sound like somebody you want to hang out with? It, not me, right? Revelation 12, 12 says this, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth, and see, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. We're in the end of times. This is why you see all the demonic stuff that's happening in the world today. There's a lot of it. Uh, it's just sad. But we know in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, Paul said, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with you. So the devil cannot stand the power of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see in Luke, as we look at the temptation of Christ in Luke chapter 14, we'll just read this real quick. Uh, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, in Luke chapter 4, verses 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during the, uh, those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So Jesus has given him Scripture back. This is how you're supposed to deal with temptation. Should I look at that thing online? Word of God says, I need to let that be. You need to deal with it with the Word of God. I have a covenant with the Lord. I'm not messing with that. Like you need to have, this is why you're supposed to wash yourself with the word daily. And so when those temptations come, you, you, the, you just give it right back. I, you know what? God's word says this. That's not what I'm supposed to do. And then he says in verse 5 and, and Luke 4, it says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in, in the moment of time. And he said to him, To you and I give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to him and give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it'll all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written. Again, he gives him scripture. Like God has given you how you're supposed to deal with temptation. Jesus is showing you the word. You shall worship the Lord, your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. So not only does Satan quote scripture, right? 
goes to show you they know Scripture. And on their hands they will bear, bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him saying, it is, it's, it is said you shall not put the Lord God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So what we see is if we look at the temptation between Eve and we look at the temptation between Jesus, we see very similar types of temptation. We see first he went to the appetite, the physical appetite. In Genesis chapter 3, 1, he, he says, you may eat of any tree. In Luke chapter 4, he's saying, you may eat by changing the stones to bread. And then we see the appeal to the personal gain. You shall not surely die if you eat that, right? He tells Eve. And then Luke, in Luke, he says, you will not strike your foot. And then we see the appeal to the power and glory. You'll have more power, right? There's one of the things he says, you will be like a God, he tells Eve. He tells Jesus, you will have all the kingdoms of the world. Satan tempts us to bring out the worst in us. But God can use those difficult experiences to put the best into us. So even when we're tempted and we fall, we can still grow and learn from that. I mean, there's, there's, I'm telling you right now, that's one of the things that, that when, when we go through that tempting of our faith or we go through that testing of our faith, you can really grow and mature from that. And, and so we need to remember that, you know, God has given us the, the weapons to, to, to face these temptations. This is word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will, always, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, if you believe in Christ, you have the way of escape. Like if I'm online and I'm clicking, you know, and I'm struggling, let me tell you something. I, you know, if I struggle with pornography and I'm clicking through Instagram and I see something I shouldn't see, my temptation is to throw, put that phone down, right? To put the phone down and walk away from it because that's what, that's what I need to do. But what the devil's trying to do is to get you to click and keep going. And so, you know, for us, we need to be very mindful that, that God gives you a way of escape. But if you haven't washed yourself with the Word, what are you going to do? That, that's the thing. It's like if you're only getting the Word of God on Sunday, it's, you know, it's a personal relationship. We're to spend time with God daily. We're to spend time in prayer and to spend time in His Word because it's the Word that washes us. It's the word that, that helps us to provide us to get through the day. That, that's the thing that connects us to the Holy Spirit. In Mark chapter 1, verse 13, and it says, And then he was in the wilderness 40 days and being tempted by Satan, and he was, he was with the wild animals. Why Mark put that in there? It's not in anybody else's. He was with the wild animals. Any of y'all been out and in, in heard a boar? How many of y'all heard boars in the wild? They're not fun. I've been in Hawaii and you can't see them. There are some big ones, man. I mean, huge. You wouldn't, uh, but you, you don't hear them coming. All you hear is the noise. But I love that he put there was wild animals, but I'm like, I, I was thinking about the coyotes. Where we live at, we got coyotes that run. And you hear them, man. When they're going, it's like, does that dog? No, that's not a dog. <laughs> it's not a dog. And also, but Mark put that in his book. 
The other thing that Mark put, I loved, the angels were ministering to him. And the angels were ministering to him. And so for us, you know, even in this time of, of testing uh, for Jesus, the angels were ministering to him. And the only thing I always think of is, is, is the, the Christmas story. When the shepherds find out, you know, the good news and the angels were ministering to the shepherds, they, they minister to us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that, that, uh, that will be for all people. For unto us born this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with him who is pleased. So we see angels, right, worshiping. But also they minister to us in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. A lot of people don't know this, but this is in Scripture. It says, And, it, and, and to which of the angels has ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? So there's angels, there's ministering spirits who serve the Lord that minister to us. It's in Scripture. And people go, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure the devil's real. It's in Scripture. Open the book, right? It, it, it's like we need to, like if, if we want to see a change happen within our, our community, within our, within our um, nation, it starts with us living out the Word of God. And actually, you taking time and spending time in God's Word as a believer and living out what you're reading. So for us, what is our application this week? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Who's leading you? Right? Who's leading you? Because if you're not in God's Word, who's leading you? If you're not spending time in prayer, who's leading you? Is it just you leading you? And that's what's causing some of the problems? That's where the flesh comes in, and because that happens, I'm telling you, I messed up yesterday. I was like, I, I don't, I got upset, and the devil. I was like, man, I knew there was going to be a testing, because whenever I teach the word, I got to go through it that week. And and sure enough, man, I was like, <sighs> got upset over something, and I was in the car. I was just like, man, I can't believe it, and I was just, I just kept going on about it. And, and my wife's like, I don't like seeing you get worked up like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not supposed to get worked up like this. I, I've sinned. I've allowed that temptation from the devil. I just failed that test. See, pastors fail too. We're, we're, we're no different than you. We're learning too. And so that's one of the things that for me, I was like, okay, well, who are you being led by today? Are you being led by you or are you being led by the Spirit? Right? So I asked for forgiveness. When me and my wife prayed last night, I was like, Lord, forgive me for being a knucklehead. You know, that's, I, I, you know, I'm army and, and courts and marines. So between the two of us, we're two hard rocks, right? So, <laughs> so we're learning. We're learning, but we need to be about our father's business. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Other application, is he your father? Do you cry out, Abba, Father? Like, do you understand that he's your dad? 
right? That he wants to hear from you. I think sometimes we, we have, you know, I, my, my father was an alcoholic. He was abusive. My mom and dad divorced when I think I was seven. And then she ended up marrying a drug addict. And he was abusive. And, and so the reality is, is like the, the, what I knew as a father, when I read this, I think of my earthly father. But as I come to know Christ and I come to know the relationship of God, I cry out, Abba, Father. He's perfect. My, my dad was, was full of sin just like I was. So was my stepfather. They needed Jesus just like I did. But when I, when I, when I read that verse and I read you know, the verse that he says, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased. Do you hear that today? And, and, and have you said that to your kids in a while? Encourage them. They need it. They're going through stuff that we've never gone through. All because of, of these. All because of technology. They get tempted more than you ever did when you were a kid. Right? They're constantly. They're constantly getting it. And, and so they need, they need to hear, you know what, I love you. I'm pleased with your grades. I'm pleased with your behavior this week. They just need to hear that. And as dads, we're supposed to be encouragers. You're the pastor of your home. That's, that's your responsibility. Because, you know, when before Christ, all they heard from me was yelling and being upset. And how can you not get this right? What is going on? You know, just that constant thinking that's what makes them a man for my two boys. Thank God, you know, I, I came to know Christ because... They don't, they don't see that no more. And, and hopefully the next generation won't go through that. And so that's our prayer. But, you know, for us, are we being connected to the Holy Spirit? Are we, the other application simply are, do you, do you, are you about your father's business? Right? We all have a, a, a calling on our lives to share the gospel as believers. Uh, and so we, we need to be about a father's business sharing the word. I, I watched a, a show the other day called Sons of Thunder. Anybody seen that one? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's on Pure Flix. You saw it? Yeah. Hey, there you go. I'm not the only one. You should go watch it. It's really good. The guy's from Texas. Big, big dude. I mean, he's probably six five, six six. Huge. But um, he comes to know Jesus, and he was in a biker gang. It's a great movie. But the first thing he always tells people, you know Jesus? That's the first thing out of his mouth before he says hello, before, and I was just like, how cool is that? That's what we should be doing because that's what people need. They need to know Jesus. You know Jesus? And the guy goes, no, I know, I know Jesus. He goes, Jesus lives up. No, Jesus, you know Jesus. <laughs> and he tells him, right? But it's important for us to be able to share the gospel. We need to be about our Father's business. So uh, I want to close out in prayer, and, and I want to thank you all for coming. And uh, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for today. Uh, We do pray and we ask that you uh, bless everybody that's here, Lord. I I pray that if they haven't heard, uh, I am well pleased with you, son, daughter, that they would hear that now, that you love them, that you want to have that relationship with them, that, you know, we've all gone through the ups and downs of, of faith and 
we've been in the valley, we've been in the mountaintop, but, you know, Lord, I pray that you just continue to, to help us grow and, um, and apply your word, that we would be connected to the Holy Spirit, that we would be led by the Spirit, that we would be about your business, Lord. And I pray, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know everybody here, so I just want to give this opportunity. If, if you haven't chosen to, to make Jesus your Savior, because let me tell you, you have the choice very simply, and, and whether you watch it online too, is very simply you have the, 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 the knowing of that we'll all have eternity. Now, I know you're probably thinking in your head, wait a minute. Yeah, well, if you don't choose to follow Christ here, you will have eternity, but it'll be in hell. It won't be in heaven. See, we have to repent of our sins. We have to, we have to admit that we're a sinner. We have to ask for forgiveness of our, our sins and turn away from our sins. We have to believe in Christ, that he died on the cross and he was resurrected and receive Christ into our heart and allow Christ to be the Lord of our lives. And so I just pray, if that's you, if you want to, it tells us very simply in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You believe you uh, will be saved. Uh, for, the right, for the heart one believes unto righteousness and the mouth confesses is made unto salvation. So just pray this prayer after me if you want to receive Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray for those that are here. Get them home safely. Let them have just a blessed Sunday. Uh, let them be uh, moved to be in the Word on Monday. You know, at the end of the day, what pastors do is we feed you Sundays and Wednesdays. It's up to you to feed yourself the rest of the days of the week. And so whether they turn on the radio and listen to sermons, whether they turn on their phones and listen to sermons, whether they turn on the phone and listen to the Bible, I pray that they get an end to them some way, somehow, and that they would be able to apply a truth each day. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.